What are the five things smart brick and mortar retailers are doing to succeed and fight against the narrative of a retail apocalypse? Welcome to Tell Me Something Good About Retail, the podcast of The Retail Doctor, and I'm your host, Bob Fibbs, The Retail Doctor. In this episode, I'm talking to Dan Hodges, founder of Retail Store Tours. He leads store tours in major cities across Europe, Asia, and the United States, and he has a unique vantage point to discover what needs to happen to create compelling retail in 2020. Let's listen in. Bob, it's great to be here. You and I uh, go back. uh, I've been on several of your store tours uh, in New York City. Um, So just bring our audience along. I mean, how did you get into this business? I doubt you were five years old and said, Mom, when I grow up, I'm going to lead retail store tours around the world. So just give us a bit about how you got there and, um, and what you do and where you do it. How's that? Well, a funny thing, you mentioned my mother at five years old, because when I was five years old, Bob, my mother had a clothesline on me in the, super, in, the, in the supermarket and the department store to keep me from running out of the store. So um, if she were here today, she'd be very, very finding, finding this very humorous. So, you know, it's like... Not like I, Isaac Newton. I wasn't sitting under the tree one day and an apple fell on my head, but not not too dissimilar. Um, I had the great uh, great fortune of working with the NRF for the past five five or six years, and um, my first uh, time at the NRF, I thought it was a great show, but I ended up getting lost. I didn't have my mother with the clothesline back then. So um, so anyway, so um, I created a program which is called Expo Tours, which is with still. Uh, uh, in effect, and going strong after five years. And that program, we basically, um, we find out the, the key areas that are of interest to retailers, and we create tracks, knowledge tracks, based on artificial intelligence and, and uh, future tech and customer journey. So about five years ago, um, after we were done with our very first expo tour, I asked for feedback. And the feedback was shocking because the feedback, you know, you're expecting this wasn't right, and this, like, uh, how could I, this was late or whatever was wrong. The feedback was, this was perfect, don't change anything, which was completely shocking for me, and but pleasantly shocking. But the feedback, I remember someone from Woolworths, Australia, pointed at me and said, you know, you got to get us out to the stores. And I said, all right. So uh, about three years ago, or four years ago, we started retail store tours to answer that question. Now, you know, Bob, and probably the listeners know that a store tour means 10 different things to 10 different people, maybe 20 mm-hmm. different things. So, um, so anyway, so we, uh, we started around 10 years ago. We, I started the process of curation rather 10 years ago with executives and, and board members at big events. That same process that I've used for the CEOs and, and, and boards, we incorporated into the retail store tour. And so um, the store tour basically is – it can be two days or it can be two hours, generally around two hours long. And this will sound like hype, especially to someone uh, with your background, Bob, but it's transformative, uh, the, these two hours. And how can I say that? We've had around 3,000 people take them, and they all say that. So I guess scientifically, uh, I'm on good ground. Well, but, I would um, join in that. I would say they are transformative because what is different and – I don't want you to uh, think that I'm overhyping, but what's different about you is 
you really are able to isolate out, this is why this is interesting, this is why this is different. I think because you're in the streets um, so much, you're able to call out, yeah, this was a pilot, or, oh, no, that's really been there for two or three years, or, oh, I would have thought they would have. I mean, you have the context to be able to make it transformative. It's not just a... Um, a, 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 um, a movie star tour of retailers, right? It's not like over here, just look. I think you're able to ID the significant trends and I, and I applaud you for that. Well, thanks. Um, you know, there's, as, we, as we go through life, there are certain patterns that we recognize. And um, you know, the idea of experienced retail goes back to 1957. Uh, with Walt Disney and, and, and Disneyland, but it probably goes back, you know, a couple thousand years before that. So the idea of experience retail um, is is something that is, um, you know, it's not uh, not particularly new. But, um, you know, I, I think, you know, it, it's the context of where we are. So I think where we are on planet Earth is, you know, we've had, you know, you know we had the smartphone and the smartphone came out and basically in 2007. And, you know, I, I ran global sales for Nokia, so it's a market I know well. And, but the big myth, and maybe you've talked about it, but others haven't, the brain has been essentially rewired with this device. And, and not only just you and me, but 6 billion people. So when a comet hits the earth, like the, uh, like the smartphone, and rewires the entire population, changing behaviors, you know, it's pretty, um, you know, it, it's pretty profound. And, um, you know, the one thing that we do talk about on the, on the storage tours, in addition to the seven habits, is that, you know, we have these really, really powerful senses. It's called the nose, the eye, the ear, the finger, the touch, and the taste. And um, there's a report out from um, Ericsson. You know, Ericsson looked at the top um, 10 consumer trends in 2030. And they basically summed up that over the next decade, the the action will be sort of optimizing the senses. This can be done through software, through AR, VR, but it, it can be done at places like American Dream, which is which is the you know the big center that's opening opened and opening more uh, in the Meadowlands. So, you know, we're living through a really exciting period in in history, and also and you know the thing about retail that that I find. I think what's, you know, in addition to retailers, we have investment banks, architects, CPGs, travel companies, and automotives on these tours. And I think the role retail plays in the consumer market is, you know, the retail is, is sort of like the canary in the coal mine. And as soon as behavior shifts, boom, you know, it, it hits, it manifests itself at retail, either, you know, with Amazon being wildly successful or Alibaba or, or, or new um, new stores. I'm not sure if you've seen Camp when you're on one of the tours at sure. Hudson Yards. Uh, I mean, that's that's all part of the um, you know this, this big experience trend. Well, I think and, what we're um, seeing is the is the rise of the boutiques is what I've seen. Is it's like no longer is bigger better. All the big boys want to be smaller and seem like they're smaller. And some of those legacy brands like Gap, who physically had to have big stores because only used to, when they started, only got jeans twice a month, right? Don't need that much space. So now what are we going to do with it? And I think some retailers have figured it out brilliantly. Um, I think other ones um, are struggling. I, before we go too far, I want to make sure that everybody understands that um, you're not just in New York City. You do London, you do Paris. Um, I think you have Los Angeles, pretty much any major 
and of course in the uh, in the China market, I would imagine as well as uh, other places. Um, anyone can take a store tour. Is that correct? Or Anyone can take a store tour. Uh, every market has its own. We, we opened up Shanghai, Guangzhou, and Beijing over the summer. Um, we've done Europe for a number of years. And so, yeah, anyone can take a store tour. And the thing I like about the store tour, whether it's, you know, 15 executives from L'Oreal or 15 people who don't know each other, um, is the level of engagement and the conversations that are sparked um, are it, it, it initiates a conversation that you wouldn't have with a complete stranger. And you, you know, within the first 15 or 20 minutes of this, you're having big discussions about people you just met yeah. and, and discussing. And it's so, you know, I just find it so interesting that, um, that this behavior is so prevalent. You know, we, well, we and had, I think uh, that, I think that you get to get a window on, a very different way. You know, when I go shopping um, and I was pretty on your store tours, I'm always looking at the little details. Um, I'm looking mm-hmm. at the um, fact that on the, I think it was the Neiman Marcus at uh, Hudson Yards on the taxi mm-hmm. there, even all the way down to the mm-hmm. bumper sticker and to the mm-hmm. wording on the side of the taxi cab, someone had um, really thought about it and the license plate. People aren't just throwing things up. That it, We're in a new era, I think, of visual merchandising. Would you agree? Oh my God! It's absolutely and a good example. I'm not sure if you got a chance to visit uh, Brooks Brooks Brothers, which is on the first floor of Hudson Yards. But I thought, oh, there's so much there. Like when you look at the design, the design for Brooks Brothers, which was the first prototype small scale store, started in Shanghai. So you know, you know, here you usually things go west to east. Now things are going east to west. Yeah. And I had I had seen the sister store in Shanghai um, at one of the shopping centers there, and it's about ninety percent the same. But when you look at the, uh, you know, the use of the yellow lights, the LEDs, the what I call it, the um, the mindfulness dressing room, um, it's 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 a work it's, it's it's a work it's a masterpiece of art and design and colors and anthropology um, that when you go in there it's a, it's, it's a, you can't be but sensorially stimulated uh, in a way that is you know it's very unique. I have I have um, to ask you. So you're talking about mindfulness in the dressing room. Sorry, you have to ID that for me, my friend. What does that mean to you? Yeah. So so mindfulness. Um, it's the ability for you to be with you uh, in a in a in a in a peaceful setting. So when you go into the Brooks Brothers um, dressing room or the Gucci dressing room on Worcester Street, you close the curtain and. It's it's sound deadened to the extent that it can be. So it's 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 you, you get, you're by yourself. You have different sound level. You're surrounded by a 180 mirror with a beautiful lush green carpet and beautiful wood wooden mirror that's 180 degrees, and it's just you and you um, looking at you and deciding whether you want this in 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 a place that is that is beautiful that is sort of you're detached from the overall um, experience of the of the of the store and um it, you know and but that's not it bob because it, when you w- when you exit um the brooks brothers and you go to the conservatory which is another store on the first floor of hudson yards there is a wall that is provence you can smell the lavender and all the beautiful scents of, of provence and there's a mirror and if you slide that mirror open and you walk in you're walking into Provence because 
in that room behind that wall with the products from Provence is Provence. You can see a video of uh, you know, the, the lavender fields. You can smell the lavender. You can wash your hands in the sink there. You can you can take a nap and on the comfortable chair there. So, um, you know, I'm not pushing mindfulness. I'm just observing it. And well, um, but that's the key, though, is you are the one that's observing, and you're telling people, you know, there's something here, and that's what I appreciate. That a lot of retailers, you know, I, uh, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's all about magic mirrors, and I'm sorry, I don't, I don't, I don't vote on that side of it, mainly because no sale is complete until you actually try it on. So until she gets it right. home, until she sees it fits her curves, her body, anyway, can throw yep. a dress on somebody and say, you look great. But ultimately, to craft that experience that you were walking us through in that 180 mirror and to be alone and someone has thought about, you know, reducing the sound and elevating the experience is what's going to, I think, again, um, capitalize on what many retailers now realize that the store is the hub, that everything branches from the store everywhere else and not it's an afterthought or something to be afraid of and the smart retailers um, understand that would you would you support that 100% Bob 100% you know it's all about the um, you know it's the store design as an experience and you know I think you and I had spoken at NRF but to me the most important element just you know, what you know, one thing what would be it would be people because um, when you look at the human software part of it, the training, that's, that makes all the difference. You know, like I, I've been in Sephora around the pretty much the United States um, and every experience, every time I go in there, it's the same experience. Um, so it, it's very consistent. When you go into uh, the Microsoft store on, on Fifth Avenue, um, I was asking the, the person who was giving us the tour what his background was. And he's a stand-up comic. <laughs> um what, what and he was great i mean he he delivered all the lines and he had us in oh my god he's goodness. comfortable then, in playing that role i totally get that i appreciate that right yeah and and at camp i asked the uh the new york manager kyle i said well kyle tell us tell me about your criteria uh we don't hire retailers we hire actors so i thought i thought boy oh boy i mean it's like the mindfulness the triangulation of the of the thoughts in three different areas. And now we're looking at a, a, another level of the training. When you go into a uh, beta, they also have actors there that are highly, um, you know, highly trained in the product. And um, so, you know, it's all about the many things, but first and foremost, the most important thing is, as Angela Ernst had said, we hire, we hire uh, people who are kind and evaluate the, them on empathy. So, if there is a magic and Nordstrom is brilliant at this. We, we had a wonderful tour at Nordstrom and those people, there were just lovely and phenomenal. But for every, the, the moment you walk in from the security guards to anyone you come in contact, a, a colleague of mine said that they had a question. There was someone stocking a shelf uh, in, in the shoe section and um, she turned around and said, you know what? I'm going to show you where a woman's jewelry is. So she stopped um, you know, stocking the shelf of, of um, shoes, physically turned around, got up, and took that person to where jewelry was at Nordstrom. I, I mean... Okay, okay, so that's great, but we shouldn't be surprised that someone got great customer service, right, Dan? I mean, there you why go. is no, it right, that we, right. we are now like, wow, wasn't that amazing? You're like, dude, that was what... I, I mean, know. I grew up in department stores. I was lucky to be trained by the old uh, white hairs, you know, in the 70s, yep. and yep. they... 
taught yeah. you from day one, the customer's most important yeah. person. And so what you see is the same thing I see, which is retail yeah. has always been about being brilliant on the basics and the basics yeah. all come down to human interaction. Now, when we were on the yeah. tour a couple of weeks ago, um, you had started a, a, um, a little list to tell me, you know, I, I have five of them written down, but I think you'd said there were seven of what you see that yeah. the best retailers are able to do. Could you unpack a little bit of that for us? Yeah, and we've actually picked uh, stores that are our 2020 uh, winners, but it's the human touch. And again, it's that, you know, higher on kindness and, and um, basically evaluate on empathy. The second is employee training. If you look at um, Sephora, they have Sephora University. They have quizzes every day. Brooks Brothers has what's called CARE. It's an acronym regarding uh, their philosophy towards uh, customers, and they've been around for 200 and something years, so they must be doing something right. Um, the use of technology to enhance the customer journey, and Sephora is brilliant uh, at that. Whether you've got you know men or women, they right. can't help but be completely amused by the color IQ. Um, the next one is store design, and a really good example of that is the Starbucks um, roastery in Shanghai. Um, we had a tour with Procter and Gamble with the architect who designed it, and um, every single the acoustic tiles. The um, the three D printing underneath the the the, uh, the stools, every aspect of that was just brilliant. The next thing is brand story, and um, you know we when we look at Indemni, um at Hudson Yards, or we look at a, a brand like Gentle Monster, um, that's a place where you're completely you become one with the brand. Um, Camp is a very good. Uh, example of a unique value proposition. I mean, where else can you find this type of an immersive experience that, by the way, the business model is subscription, special events, retail, and food. A lot of people on the tour say, well, how can they make money? Well, four different ways. Um, and then this is the hard one, but um, it's the ability to change that is critical for anyone, you, me, business, retail. Um, but in retail, it's very cute. I've, I've seen already changes at the Nordstrom store um, over the past few months, and it's only been open for a few months. So it, these are the critical things that I think are driving um, success. Excellent. Well, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. This season is sponsored by Springboard Retail POS. You know, one of the biggest challenges I hear from listeners, and whether they're selling from a store, from trunk shows, pop-ups, or just online, is that they want great, easy-to-use data. On top of that, they want customizable reporting. Well, that's where Springboard Retail comes in. Their best-in-class reporting helps you run a best-in-class retail operation. Higher sales, higher margins, and faster sell-through. Springboard Retail's customer success team will help you get all of your historical data into Springboard and get you up and running in a flash with a one-on-one -on -one personalized onboarding experience that's run by actual humans. And now it's even easier for you listeners to supercharge your business with Springboard Retail POS. Just visit springboardretail.com forward slash retail doc and you'll receive 20% off your first year. Now back to the show. So Dan, so you see thousands of retailers a year and, you know, like Gentle Monster, I, I saw them in Los Angeles. I didn't know what they were. I walked in, I was bowled over, I ended up getting two <laughs> pair of glasses. A buddy of mine ended up getting two pair of glasses and I was like, I'm hooked. But, you know, they're all tend to be smaller. If we look at, you know, the challenges, particularly that um, 
a lot of independent retailers have is there is no store design training, um, telling a story. A lot of things are are really tough. And at the big side too, there's a lot of brands that are struggling right now. The JCPenney's the world, the Sears, the Gaps, all of that, who to me seem to have kind of forgotten about their customer. What kind of mm-hmm. um, advice would you have for this disparate group of retail owners who are listening to us right now? Um, it, it's going to sound terribly self-serving and I don't mean to be, but get out to the stores, see what's going on. Because when you're with an executive team and you're in a beta looking at the beacons or when you're in the Chanel Atelier on Worcester Street, you can't help but uh, see what you see. And um, if you're in the marketplace and seeing what's working, and it, it kind of gives you the, the guidelines of how you should change and how things have changed. Because, you know, these brands are having measurable success. And um, it's right there. We're all people and we all have our basic needs. And when you, when you fulfill these needs, when you abide by the seven habits, you're going to be very, very profitable and very successful. And so it's really seeing is believing. And the journey never ends. As you know, Bob, yeah. it, it never ends. I mean, I learn something every day, and I do this every day. So, um, so I think the big surprise—not that you've asked me for a big surprise—is that when I I was at American Dream this past weekend, uh, and when I saw thousands and thousands of family, smiling families, holding hands, walking through that shopping center, I said, "Oh my God, this is something that is just working, and it's and it's brilliant." And again, you know, uh, it's a matter of going there uh, and you seeing know, it's- it. It's interesting. When I was in Bogota a couple of years ago and was working with several of the malls there and the new uh, director, he had talked about how his predecessor always had guns and dogs at the at the mall entrances because it's a high security area. And he said, it's really a big deal. And he said, I don't want to see any of that anymore. We better become the family place. And so I don't know if you've ever I don't know the name of the mall, but underneath is this whole like kid city which basically they have their own banks and these their own little versions of stores and they have, you know, the little fire engine that goes out and they role play all of it and all in a safe environment. And it just seems like the, the smart malls are realizing that the concept of town square means much more than, oh, we'll just put a, a couple of restaurants and we'll put a movie, uh, you know, movie theaters and some retailers in and that's a town square. It seems like they're going for something different, correct? I I agree. I, I see the most that most developed in Mexico City, uh, where where the the shopping centers truly are places for children. It's beginning in China. I could see it happening in China. That's why I was I was so excited to see uh, camp, because that's a trend that that is is emerging in China as well. And you know, basically with fifty five percent experience and forty five percent retail, American Dream already sort of uh, gets it big time. So um, I agree. Now that the um, keeping consumers happy and, and uh, satisfied and having happy families shopping together. It's, it's a good thing. So quickly, I want you to give me your top three retailers that any retailer uh, worth their weight should go in and take a look at um, in, in big names. All right. One of the things I noticed recently on this, when I was in New York is it seems like footwell retailers are leagues ahead of apparel retailers. They seem to have the training down, the store design, uh, who they are, who they aren't, customization, personalization. Um, so for me, you know, Nike, Adidas, Converse, I think they really were, all three of those are certainly worth a look. What, what other, you know, yeah. three would you add to that? Yeah, I would add Sephora. 
uh, because again, I think I already had to talk about them, but they they have embraced technology since iOS in 2007, and they it, it's won uh, mightily for them. I would also include um, Nordstrom because you know of the seven habits. You know, when we we actually rate the seven habits based on the financial model, and you know it, it's predictive of, of revenue results or revenue coming. So that Nordstrom would, would be one. And the last one, I, I wouldn't call it a retailer, but the Starbucks. I mean, what they've done with the roasteries. I mean, every roastery is an anthropological footprint of that area. The Tokyo roastery is different from Shanghai. The uh, the meatpacking or the um, Chelsea Market Soho is different from uh, Starbucks is different from the one in in uh, in Seattle. So I, I would say those would be my top three for, for very very different reasons. Yeah, but I, they all rank high high engagement. I would agree. The meatpacking uh, district. If you want to see what's new in retail, like the meatpacking district in New York City is really coming alive. Some really interesting things down there with Van Store, Samsung. Uh, you've got the High Line right down there. I know when I saw the Starbucks roastery, I just raved about it because, again, the attention to detail is so overwhelming and so different than what you expect. Uh, and at the same time, um, right down the block from them is the RH, which redefined the whole idea of if you want to shop from us, you should buy a membership and we're going to get rid of sales. And that was uber brilliant, what, five years ago? And people yeah. said it's probably not going to work, and look what it's done. Um, they have and, done a magnificent job. And try extracting yourself quickly from Restoration Hardware <laughs> or any of the startups. I mean, try it. I mean, I, I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think we'll, well, both of us would fail. So um, uh, if, if, you, if you get in and out of there in a half hour, you've you, run through those experiences. So Good. That's a great uh, point. So we've come to the end of our time. We could go on forever yeah. here, Dan. You've been really gracious for your time. So um, tell me something good about retail or what do you like the most about retail? You know, I just, I love, uh, I love, I love meeting and I love seeing the, 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 the why and the how behind how things work. Um, retail is magic. And when you go into each of these stores, whether it's Beta or Mgemni or Nordstrom you can see the magic. You can see all the thought, all the hours. When you go into Neiman Marcus and you go all the way in the back of the store by beauty and you look at that staircase and the staircase looks out over the Statue of Liberty and, and the world, you know, the World Trade Center and Penn Station and the High Line, it's just brilliant. It's brilliant at, at, at work. And so it's very, very exciting to see the manifestation of all these hours of, um, of hard work and uh, and people trying to maximize your experience in the store. So I love that what, idea of manifesting yeah. magic. I know I was just thought as you're describing that, I'm thinking of that beautiful Saks escalator in the middle of their uh, Manhattan ad address across from Rockefeller Center. Just that feeling you get from what an awful lot of people had to look at paper and go, yep, I think this will work. <laughs> and until yeah. it's actually yeah. there... And they're doing that for our benefit. So how great is that? Well, um, how would we find out more about your store tours or um, how would we sure. get on one or find out more? Dan? Sure. Sure. Thank you so much. So we have at retailstores.com. We have many, many uh, store tours. What we don't have is we're doing our first world tour, which is in London, Paris, and New York. And it's June. Um, it's only a couple of days. So it's June 4th to the 9th. And that's going to be exciting and uh, very small, only 15 people for, for doing it for the first time. But retailstoretours.com is the place. And, and thank you, Bob. Pleasure to uh, talk to you. 
Absolutely. Well, keep up your enthusiasm for us. And we're, we're looking forward to the future. We're going to be taking those tours so that we can see that magic too, my friend. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks again to my guest, Dan Hodges. I really enjoyed speaking about the differences between Europe and Asia and America, as well as what does it take for retailers to truly make a difference in shoppers' lives. And wasn't it interesting that training is right up there to create an exceptional experience? Hey, you've heard me talk about that for an awful long time. On next week's episode, I'll be speaking with Jason Heavens, founder of EPOS Now, and how he went from purchasing a bar with no knowledge to founding a POS system from scratch. Well, you don't want to miss that either. I'm Bob Fibbs, the Retail Doctor. Thanks again for listening. Tell Me Something Good About Retail is the podcast of The Retail Doctor. Visit RetailDoc.com to learn what makes Bob Fibbs the authority on brick-and-mortar retail across the world, who works with some of the biggest brands all the way down to the smallest mom and pops. As a listener of the Tell Me Something Good About Retail podcast, you can receive free information and guides when you visit RetailDoc.com and sign up for our exclusive weekly newsletter. For more information, to access the complete archives of past retail goodness, and to see about Bob speaking to your audience, please visit RetailDoc.com.